we embark on another exciting edition of the Midday Program here on the Rural Radio Network, and welcome to it. I am Dirk Christensen, and in front of us we have all of the information, all the folks to bring you that information as we uh, move into our Friday edition here. And uh, we don't have to play Where's Susan today, because I can see her. Yeah, right literally. There. How are you? Right across the screen. Good to see you. Now, you too. Uh, folks, I want to take just a second to let you know. <laughs> But there are some agricultural information outlets that have a ag news director who is a, a paper pusher, is a, 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 a Coca-Cola cowboy. We don't have that here. We've got the real thing because there's a cast in Gopher, Minnesota colors yep. to prove it. To what prove happened? it. I was in the feedlot at home and an ornery steer went by and went by a little too fast and fractured my thumb and tore the ligaments in it so how's the typing then the typing is quite interesting I, i'm able to type with three fingers okay well Can still get my work done yeoman's work i'm telling you but this this is a lady who deals with and tackles steers yep. so you're getting the real thing here and i won in the end yeah okay because <laughs> he's a blocker i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So Susan won, steer nothing. Exactly. And here's Susan with our headlines. Lots of things happening. Of course, many folks wondering, will there be snow for Christmas? Well, we'll talk more with Al Dutcher coming up at 1219 to kind of run down this change in the weather pattern coming up. At 1245, Eric Thompson joins us. The economic outlook was just released. Some interesting statistics as we look across the state of Nebraska. And Farmer to Farmer Conference continuing today in Lincoln. Bryce Duskett was there yesterday. Over 2,000 producers. Wow. We'll have more at 119. All right. We'll let you adjourn to the real market microphone over there. Thank you, Susan. And here is Jason Jorgensen. Look at sports. Wow, what a comeback. It was. They've done it before, but it never gets old. When the Huskers find a way to beat Penn State, especially when they... They used a match point. Yep. They had a break. They yeah. used the best of it. You made the most of it, and now they'll play for the national title. That was exciting. Tomorrow night against Florida. Figures to be about oh, nineteen thousand Husker fans there again at the oh, Sprint yeah. Center. We'll get the thoughts of Coach Cook about last night's memorable matchup. And you know the the volleyball match is, is such a big deal that it kind of overplays the Nebraska Kansas men's basketball game that is set for tomorrow night in Lincoln. Of course, that is a sellout. You have to like the Jayhawks' chances in that one. Yeah. But uh, a volleyball will start at 8 Central. Okay. A basketball game starts at 7 Central. Okay. So a lot of eyeballs will be on Husker Sports tomorrow night. Absolutely. Also coming up, we'll talk some high school wrestling. One of the biggest events of the region is taking place in Grand Island at the Heartland Events Center in the next couple of days with the Flatwater Fracas. And also, if you're like me, if you can't get enough meaningless college football bowl games... They all start tomorrow. Yeah. That long, long line of <laughs> yeah. bowl games. Oh, and man. it just gets longer and longer the, each year. The Fruit Loops Bowl. Mm-hmm. Where are the where are the Golden Gophers? We'll we'll ask that question a bit later. Uh, Bob Brogan has some business news for us. Stocks a little bit higher in midday trading, and also investors are encouraged by signs that the tax overhaul bill is making progress in Congress. The child tax credit has been expanded for low-income families in an effort to win Senator Marco Rubio's support for the tax package. He was saying that he was going to maybe hold out, uh, but it looks like they've maybe tried to appease him a little bit. So those are a couple of the items coming up. All this and more on today's Midday. 
All right, folks, I want you to listen to something here for just a second. It's quiet. I even dropped a pin. Did you hear that? <laughs> it's. I did. It's too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Which more means? hum of the portable air conditioner right next to Paul while he does yes. the weather here. <laughs> we want to thank the crew who spent, oh, my heavens, the better part of the last month or two. Yeah, exactly. I putting, think it was about two. At putting least. together our new HVAC system here in the studios, and it is working great. And, uh, you know, without the sound of uh, drones, we don't <laughs> any longer have the feeling of a big agricultural aircraft carrier here in the studios. Yes, yeah, so the silence is <laughs> golden right now. <laughs> it really is. It's way different than what we've had to bring you here recently. So we'll fill that silence with the dulcet tones of Paul Perkins here on our Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And we do have those nice words of warmer temperatures as we head through today on into tomorrow. We will see a cool down for Sunday, but that one won't last very long. Already temperatures warming into the low and mid 40s in many locations across the area, especially as you head farther west. We're already up to 50 at Kimball and some low 50s over in northeast Colorado and up to 50 right now at Colby, Kansas. A lot of places waking up to temperatures this morning in the upper teens to low 20s. Those warmer temperatures today, thanks to a west downslope wind off high pressure over the Rockies, that's going to lead to those temperatures nearly 20 degrees warmer than what we usually see this middle part of December. Could see some occasional wind gusts up to around 20, and that will elevate the fire weather conditions, especially the farther south and west you go. West winds with the passage of a trough of low pressure tonight, keeping our temperatures on the milder than, uh, side, especially milder than what we saw last night. In advance of a cold front tomorrow, our temperatures still on the mild side with some sunshine. Going to be a different story, though, for Sunday, that front moving through the area late in the day tomorrow. Just an increase in clouds now expected with that front. Earlier we were thinking maybe the possibility of some light rain and snow, but it looks like it will be a dry passage of the front. Temperatures Sunday behind that front closer to seasonal levels and also probably feeling a little bit chillier thanks to the clouds sticking around. But warmer than normal temperatures are back from Monday and will persist into Wednesday as the ridge of high pressure moves overhead. There is a chance for some light accumulating snow Thursday with the passage of a strong cold front. And that strong cold front beginning a pattern change that will be moving through the region and sticking around for a while. Gusty northwest winds will prevent our temperatures from warming much past the low and mid-30s late next week. And we are looking at the prospects of unsettled weather with snow chances. And that will open up the possibility for travel impacts just as we head into Christmas weekend. Still a lot of details to work out. But we could see some uh, skiffs of snow moving through the region, and we'll keep you posted. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas are forecast to be near seasonal the middle part of next week. Then that likelihood is high that temperatures will be colder than normal late next week through December 28th for not only Nebraska and Kansas, but also the western two-thirds of the U.S. as a pretty good cold snap moves in and takes its hold for a while. Late December highs in central Nebraska, usually in the mid to upper 30s, with overnight lows averaging in the mid-teens. A more active period also of above normal precipitation expected for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through the 28th, but it does look like the better chances of above normal moisture are forecast just to our west. Weather factors driving the markets include weekend rain in the forecast for Argentina and more favorable rain in central Brazil. Snowy weather will persist near the Great Lakes through early next week. Little or no precipitation will fall over the next five days in several areas of the U.S., including the Plains and the Western Corn Belt. Early next week, a cold snap 
will come to an end across the eastern U.S. as mild air encompasses nearly the entire part of the, the nearly the entire country. But of course, that will be changing late in the week. A warm and dry forecast, not good news for the already dry wheat areas of the southern plains. There are concerns of a colder trend about 10 days out for possible further stress. Central Argentina expects rain with a strong cold front over the weekend. The moisture important after the recent drier and hotter weather. Consistent rounds of rain in central Brazil that will benefit crop development expected all the way through next week. And after a dry day today in southern Brazil, weekend light to moderate rain looks to be timely and beneficial. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. The thermometers have been kind of dawdling this morning getting <laughs> up to where they, but we're finally seeing things cross over to the 40s. Yeah, and we will quickly warm up today like we are starting to see in western locations with those west winds. Uh, those temperatures will really start to soar over the next few hours and looking at a nice day by the end of it, but not so nice at the end of next week. Yeah. That big blast of cold air. Just in time for the first day of winter on Thursday. So if you still need a good outdoor weekend, this might be the one. Weather anytime. KRVN.com. Nebraska Custom Operators are invited to take part in the 2018 Nebraska Farm Custom Rate Survey. I'm Shaley Peters with a midday check of your Ag News here on the Rural Radio Network. Every other year, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Department of Agricultural Economics surveys farmers and ranchers regarding rates they charge for custom operations. The Nebraska Farm Custom Rate Survey report is one of Nebraska Extension's most requested publications. Many Nebraska farmers and ranchers inquire about prevailing rates paid for certain kinds of custom farm machine operations. Part one of the survey asks about spring and summer operations such as tillage, planting, and hang. The second part surveys operators providing machinery hire services, typically done in the fall, including grain harvest, hauling, cutting insulage, hauling livestock, and other miscellaneous operations. Results for the 2018 survey will be published mid-year. Custom operators who would like to be part of the survey can contact Glennis McClure, and that information is available at ruralradio.com. And U.S. wheat appears to be facing more competition on the world market. Seth Meyer, chairman of USDA's Outlook Board, talks about the surprisingly large Canadian wheat crop. The big surprise perhaps was the uh, official reported information from Canada. We added uh, 3 million metric tons to our estimate, but we were already a million and a half metric tons uh, above the original official estimate. So they jumped to the, they were below us, so they jumped to the other side of us with this latest estimate, um, which historically hasn't changed much after December. So this should be a, a fairly good number, but a bit of a surprise that Canadian crop doing much better than expected. We kind of, you know, you look at precipitation and you look at precipitation relative to normal and there were significant areas of that crop that experienced uh, below normal, even extremely below normal precipitation, and yet that crop seemed to do better than expected. USDA has added 3 million tons to its forecast for that wheat crop, now at an estimated 30 million tons. And while weak farm income continues to be a soft spot for the state economy, Nebraska can expect growth through 2020 in several key factors, according to the latest long-term forecast produced by the Nebraska Business Forecast Council and the University of Nebraska Lincoln's Bureau of Business Research. Growing numbers of jobs in construction, agricultural processing, and health care should offset weak growth in farm income, said Eric Thompson, economist and director of the Bureau of Business Research. Although annual farm income will remain 
remains significantly below the peaks seen in the early years of the decade, it is expected to rise slightly through 2020. Consequently, farm income should not detract from Nebraska economic growth. Nebraska should match U.S. job growth and see particularly strong growth in services, construction, retail trade, and agricultural processing. And finally, five sorghum checkoff board directors were sworn in during their recent board meeting in Lubbock, Texas. Returning to the board are Verity Ulibarri of McAllister, New Mexico, and Carlington Bridgeforth of Tanner, Alabama. Newly appointed to the board are Clint Stewart of Columbus, Nebraska, Shane Supas of Scott City, Kansas, and Charles Ray Huddleston of Salina, Texas. The newly sworn in board members will serve a three-year term. We are pleased to welcome both the new and returning directors to the sorghum checkoff checkoff said sorghum checkoff executive director florentino lopez the board of directors are crucial in our efforts to create producer profitability expand market opportunities and increase demand for sorghum that's a quick check of your midday ag news for more you can visit ruralradio.com i'm shaley peters and you're listening to the rural radio network It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, as we are trucking right towards Christmas, it's been pretty calm. Doesn't necessarily feel like Christmas just yet. But can we expect this calm weather headed into next week and towards our Christmas holiday? Well, Shaley, a very difficult forecast at best. Um, yeah. We haven't been able to look at the models this morning since I'm traveling back to Michigan, but having looked at the yesterday's models and then the latest model run that was at the uh, midnight hour last night, there is some stark differences between what yesterday's depiction and what last night's depiction were showing. Uh, they're doing a pretty good job, both both of the models, uh, in handling this low-pressure system expected to move through the state. As we go through late tomorrow afternoon and into Sunday, we'll move from northwest Nebraska into southeast Nebraska. It looks like that trough is not going to punch too far south of us, and it's going to wash out and return uh, the winds back from a southerly direction, so we'll warm back up as we go uh, into the early part of next week. But we will deal with some precipitation in the northwestern part of the state. That's probably the area with the greatest probability of seeing some accumulating snowfall, and even then we're looking at totals. More of a mixture of rain, rain sprinkles, uh, maybe some snowflakes as we go into eastern Nebraska, but it looks like this system is just losing its energy to move toward the southeast. Then we get a couple days of warming, and then we start to see the stark differences between the two model runs. We're very aggressive in bringing cold air down the front range of the Rocky Mountains, stalling it out in the Texas Panhandle, and some of that energy rotating around that trough was expected to spread some accumulating snowfall across at least the southern half of Nebraska as we got into uh, Thursday night, Friday, and then some reinforcing shots of precipitation as we moved into Christmas Eve, and even more systems passing through us after Christmas as we get into the cold air on the backside. Now, last night's model runs, the latest one that I had my hands on, basically took all of that out as we got into Thursday, taking that system and moving it from the Dakota's leg. So I would basically stay abreast to the weather. Uh, things are probably going to change rather dramatically over the next few days in terms of these model runs. If you're looking for a white Christmas, you would hope for uh, yesterday's solutions. 
Uh, it looked like everybody would have a decent shot of at least getting one inch of snowfall accumulations on the ground. If you not look, then of course we want last night's model runs because it came, can, keeps the same consistent pattern. That is a ridge in the west, a trough in the east, eastern Nebraska on the periphery of the two competing air masses, and western Nebraska well into the warmer air, and we wouldn't see nearly the Arctic air blast or the accumulating snowfall. So from a standpoint, there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. Please keep an eye on the weather. These models are changing almost on a daily basis, and we'll probably get surprised one way or another in regards to the timing of these events and the strength of these events. But it does look like there is a chance for accumulating snowfall late in the week. Right now, the best guess with the better model runs, which are the evening and the morning runs, because they take all the full suite of data, would indicate that there is a potential just as we move into the holiday weekend that we would see some accumulating snowfall across portions of the central plains. Okay, thanks Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're in tune to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Nebraska's magic carpet ride of a season continued last night as the Huskers rallied to beat Penn State in five sets in the NCAA Volleyball National Semifinals. The Huskers erased a match point in the fourth, then went on to win the fifth. Head coach John Cook was confident that they would find a way. You know, this team never ceases to amaze me with how resilient they are and, and how much fight they have and how hard they work together. And we could have won it 3-0. We could have lost it in four. Um, I mean, it was just point-by-point battle. And and we had the mindset going into this. We knew that's what it was going to be like. And With that victory, Nebraska advances to tomorrow night's NCAA championship match where the Huskers will face off against Florida. The Nebraska men's basketball team wraps up a grueling four-game stretch with one of its most anticipated non-conference home games in recent history as the Huskers host 13th-ranked Kansas tomorrow night. Tip-off from a sold-out Pinnacle Bank Arena set for 7 Central as a crowd of well over 15,000 is expected for the Jayhawks' first-ever visit to Pinnacle Bank Arena. KU is looking to stop a rare two-game losing skid. Nebraska fell last Saturday at Creighton. The elongated, never-ending college football bowl season starts tomorrow with the New Mexico Bowl as Marshall takes on Colorado State. Then tomorrow night, it's the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl as Middle Tennessee takes on Arkansas State. Kansas City, Kansas is once again hosting the Division II National Championship football game as Texas A&M Commerce takes on West Florida. That one starts at 5 Central. There also are two NFL games tomorrow. The Bears travel to Detroit, and it's the Chargers at Kansas City. Speaking of the NFL, Brock Osweiler came off the bench to lead three touchdown drives as the Broncos won their second straight since an eight-game losing streak as they won at Indianapolis last night 25-13. to Osweiler threw for two touchdowns and ran for another after replacing Trevor Simeon, who suffered a left shoulder injury in the first quarter. And C.J. Anderson rushed for a career-high 158 yards. Grand Island is certainly filled with wrestlers and their families from around Nebraska, Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. They're all competing in wrestling events at the Heartland Event Center. Wrestling action, the Flatwater Freak has got underway this morning. That will continue through tomorrow. 
And McCook native Garrett Noakes took first place in the number 12 area at World Series of Team Roping Finals this week alongside his roping partner Scott Smith of Ray, Colorado. The men roped four steers in a total time of 30.82 seconds. It earned them $290,000 at that event. Of course, Noakes is a head coach of the rodeo team at Mid Plains Community College. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly clear skies tonight to Nebraska, lows in the 20s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg has filed for re-election to the legislature. I've been uh, campaigning, I'll use that term, since the session ended last May. And what that means to me is being around the district, talking to people, uh, listening to people, uh, understanding their views and their concerns on things that are happening with, with government at the state level. Williams will be entering his fourth year in the legislature in a couple of weeks. Legislative District Number 36 is comprised of Dawson, Custer, and the northern third of Buffalo counties. Lincoln officials are expected to approve city building code changes that would allow some residents to build tiny homes, guest houses, and small studios on their property. The city council will vote on the proposal Monday. Areas that are zoned for duplexes and single-family homes will be allowed to add a small one-bedroom addition of no more than 800 square feet. And Post is an attorney for the Home Builders Association of Lincoln. She says builders have had more requests for smaller houses alongside a larger family home, often because families are now caring for elderly family members. Local builder Dan Klein says allowing smaller homes on more lots will give more flexibility when meeting families' needs. Douglas County Prosecutor has announced he's turning over the criminal cases against two former Omaha police officers charged in connection with the death of a mentally ill man to the Nebraska Attorney General. County Attorney Don Klein made the announcement in a written statement saying that it was the state attorney general's office that oversaw a grand jury process last month. That grand jury concluded that assault charges were warranted against the former officers in the June stun gun-related death of 29-year-old Zachary Bearheels. Police video shows then-officer Scotty Payne using a stun gun repeatedly on Bear Heels and then-officer Ryan McClarty punching Bear Heels outside an Omaha convenience store after Bear Heels was on the ground. Klein said that because the Attorney General's office case saw the grand jury recommend the same charges Klein had previously filed, it would be more efficient for the Attorney General's office to prosecute the cases. The White House is gathering data to bolster its argument against the nation's family-based immigration system. That's ahead of an all-out push next year to move towards a more merit-based structure. Officials who outline their plans exclusively to the Associated Press believe the numbers will help convince the public, along with reticent members of Congress, that changes are needed immediately. Your phone is just one click away from closings and cancellations when you use our app. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska can expect growth through year 2020 in several key sectors of the economy. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. 
I'm Bryce Duskett. The latest long-term economic forecast produced by Nebraska's Business Forecast Council and the University of Nebraska's Bureau of Business Research was released today. Joining me now to talk about the numbers behind the forecast is Eric Thompson, director of the Bureau of Business Research. Eric, to start out with, let's just dive in. It's a positive report, right? Well, we, we think it's a little bit more optimistic than our last report from June. Uh, you know, we think Nebraska is starting to bounce back. We, we believe that, uh, that, that farm income will stabilize and, in fact, grow a little bit in 2018. Now, of course, farm income had a, uh, was at a near record level in 2013 here in Nebraska, and then it had a very uh, rapid fall, a rapid decline in 2000, from 2013 to 2016, first because uh, crop prices fell and then uh, ultimately because also livestock prices fell. Um, but those prices have stabilized, on, you know, at, admittedly at lower levels, um, although they were quite elevated back in 2013. Um, but they've, they've stabilized at these lower levels, and that's allowed uh, farm income to also stabilize. Of course, uh, uh, you know, many feel it, it should be a bit higher. Uh, we, we do feel like there will be some increase in farm income due to uh, basically the ingenuity of our state's farmers and ranchers, who are some of our state's best entrepreneurs, and they'll find ways to cut costs and uh, bring in additional revenue, and that'll allow uh, some increase in farm income, but we don't expect a big bounce back in commodity prices. From the, from the state economic perspective, now that the ag sector is stable rather than declining, it allows the rest of the economy to to thrive a little bit more, and we're expecting uh, you know non-farm income growth to be pretty solid over the next three years. Imagine that rings uh, some positive bells in a lot of people's ears, hearing that uh, farm income will stabilize and possibly grow in the year 2018. What are some of the biggest factors? I know you ran through some of the factors in 2013, ran those prices up. As you look towards 2018, what were those factors besides just tightening the belt that lead you to believe that? Uh, the income will stabilize it and more than that just grow as well you know again for the first time in a number of years at least farmers aren't going to face falling prices and, and hopefully there can be some increase uh, you know some of the factors that contributed to the much higher prices back in 2011 2013 should still be in play so the global middle class is growing that should be increasing uh, global demand for protein for livestock and also for crops and distillers, uh, distillers grain, some of which is exported now, um, you know, to feed livestock that are raised in other countries. So uh, the rising global middle class should be positive for farm incomes here in Nebraska. And Nebraska is heavily uh, puts weight on the agriculture industry as a whole, being a, in a fairly rural state, and so. This results in main streets and a lot of small communities, but also trickles into Lincoln and Omaha's economy being boosted a little bit as well. Uh, that's absolutely true. So uh, the ag production complex, you know, particularly if you bring in not just farmers and ranchers, but the co-ops, all the, all the other businesses that provide services to agriculture. The we have a lot of, as you know, farm implement companies and farm firms that make farm machinery uh, uh, and uh, uh, other, other, other uh, bins and other material for farms, uh, those 
those businesses depend on Midwest agriculture, as, uh, and there's some exporting as well, obviously. Um, and then if you think about all the processing industries that process grains and livestock here in Nebraska, it's, it's our largest industry. Um, creates a lot of jobs in transportation as well, if you think about trucking and rail. So as ag goes, that has a big influence on how Nebraska does. And it's going to be a boost for our economy that ag incomes and ag activity is stabilized or perhaps growing a little bit here in 2018. And, and we think it can maintain those gains in 2019 and 2020. Did you have any surprises when uh, compiling this report uh, that you jumped out of you as something oh, you weren't looking at? Absolutely. Um, I don't know about a surprise, but a, a continuation of a new trend, which is uh, the transportation sector has just not been an engine of job growth in Nebraska. So if you look back over the last 25 years, we got tens of thousands of new jobs in trucking and rail, not so much in rail, but trucking and rail, the whole transportation sector. Um, what we've seen since the Great Recession is that sector is not adding a lot of new jobs, and that trend has continued. Uh, the rail sector is under pressure. You know, Nebraska, in a way, is a coal state. We don't have coal mines, but we transport a lot of coal. And as uh, fewer utilities have been burning coal in, in, their, in their power plants, that's had a, a negative pall on our rail industry. Anything else you want to add that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, just that, you know, we're hoping with, or we expect with the uh, somewhat stronger economic growth, there should be somewhat stronger growth in uh, income and taxable sales in the state. Very good. Thanks for that information, Eric. That was Eric Thompson. He's the director of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Bureau of Business Research. We're talking about the long-run forecast for Nebraska, which was just released today. That report does show some optimism in the economy as several sectors can expect growth through year 2020. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit. afternoon as we take a look at the livestock trade we are seeing some green on the screen today as joe teal joins us with great plains commodities and joe it is nice to see a finishing a friday on some positive numbers yeah it is uh we got some triple digit gains in the in the cattle both the cattle and the feeders sounds like we've uh, seen the uh, trade uh, develop today uh, at higher money uh, and that uh, prompted uh, a pretty good rally uh, uh, and we're going to finish higher for the week. The uh, cutouts uh, also made a little bit of a turn, uh, up slightly at noon, uh, but uh, it, it really was the fact that we were trading uh, cattle a little bit higher than last week, and that uh, really uh, uh, prompted uh, the buying uh, spree that we saw uh, through the remainder of uh, the day after the halfway mark. So... Uh, Pretty uh, pretty good finish, uh, and also a good finish for the hogs this week. Uh, they're going to finish higher also. Uh, is uh, cash uh, up a little bit? Cutouts were a little bit higher at noon again, and uh, so positive uh, trade there too. Not quite as uh, robust as the uh, as the cattle, but uh, still higher with a higher close. So all in all, for livestock this week, as we close out, a pretty good week. And it is nice to see some positive numbers, like you said, as we head towards the weekend. Will we see some further development on the cash cattle? Uh, probably so. I, I don't know that there's going to be a big trade next week because of uh, uh, the holidays and uh, 
coming up, and uh, so I think we'll more that later as the day goes on. All right, sounds good. Joe Teal joining us with Great Plains Commodities. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Since 2014, Farmers Business Network has grown from zero acres to 17 million acres and from zero employees to 225 employees. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett. Yesterday, I had the chance to catch up with one of the co-founders of Farmers Business Network. That's Charles Barron. We were talking at the Farmer to Farmer Conference, which is being hosted by FBN. We began our conversation discussing what is the network. FBN is a network of farmers who uh, work together using data, information, and, and business intelligence to learn from each other, first and foremost, um, to share insights, to develop insights, um, and then to make their farm more profitable. And so... What FBN is, is about is it's a farmer-to-farmer network. And what that does, that creates an independent source of information, an independent commerce system that is between farmers directly and uh, direct from farmers to, to manufacturers and um, gives people objective information about everything from how a seed is yielding to if that seed's being sold by another company to what the price is in the market to um, uh, what a fair market price is for an input like farm chemical. And then we create a open marketplace that companies can compete on to compete for our members' business. And so if a company can come in and offer a low price nationally, that low price for an input is, is distributed around the country and someone can come on, click and, click and buy it online in a shopping cart just like you'd buy anything else. Um, so we want to make that really easy, but we want to make farm commerce farmer-friendly and we want to make independent information to empower uh, all our members uh, to uh, make, uh, make higher profits because this has been a another uh, really tough year and everyone you know keeps waiting for it to turn around and uh, we keep uh, hoping for uh, you know uh, something that's gonna uh, you know get prices better um, and, and unfortunately we had a uh, another high yielding year uh, thankfully for growers it was high yielding because the prices were down still um, but uh, uh, you know the, the key is you got to focus on every every dollar of margin possible and we're trying to bring every tool we can to do that. Well, you mentioned it there. It's kind of a down economy right now in the agriculture sector, but yet you all have been able to grow to over 5,000 members who are now contributing their data towards this larger network. So what do you contribute the success to a Farmers Business Network so far? Uh, well, very simple. We only focus on one thing. Is it helping our members? Okay, that's, that's it, and that's all. Our mission of FBN uh, is to improve our members' businesses, to improve their profitability, um, and to give them the resources, even in a down economy, um, to, to actually stay viable and start thriving. So whether that's finding cheaper seed, finding higher yielding seed, or crop marketing, which we're now able to bring premium programs, we're going out and bringing buyers to the table, helping growers contract, we're bringing production contracts, cash advance contracts, FOBs, which are uh, a basis offer, so you can be a price maker instead of a price taker. All of those tools can help support the bottom line of the farm. The family farm is the bedrock of the rural economy. If the family farm is in trouble, rural America is in trouble. No one benefits from the family farm being in trouble. If people are listening right now and they want to learn more information, maybe want to sign up for this, where should they go to learn more about this? Well, uh, you've come to our website, farmersbusinessnetwork.com. Um, uh, check us out on Facebook or, or Twitter. We have a lot of stuff up there. But come to the website. It has uh, all the information about uh, the, uh, the company. Uh, it's a membership. It's a flat fee. It's $600. doesn't matter how many acres you run. And we welcome farms of all type, any crop, any region. 
Very good. Well, thank you for that information. That was Charles Barron. He is the co-founder of FBN. We're here at the Farmer to Farmer Conference here in Omaha, Nebraska. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. Good afternoon. As we take a look at the market trade, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Row Radio Network. We are going to head over and fo- uh, speak to the folks at Daniel's Ag Marketing. Donna Hughes is joining us on the phone line today, filling in for John Payne. We look at the markets, Donna, and by the way, good afternoon. First off, we saw some higher numbers to start out with, didn't last long, and are going to finish into the negative territory for a Friday. Yep, absolutely. Um, we've got corn uh, settling the day off about a penny and a half to penny and three quarters. Um, KC wheat were down uh, about uh, oh, just about the same. And on the soybeans, um, either side of unchanged, we'll call it. We did have a good day in cotton um, as that's continuing to climb higher. We saw some dryness as well, weather-wise. I know it's being talked about to the Southern Plains, all the way up to North Dakota, who luckily, unfortunately, have gotten some snow. So weather factors, are we going to continue to look at that as we wrap up 2017? Um, You know, it has been quite dry in the Southern Plains. Um, I'm actually out of the Amarillo office, and uh, that area down in in that part of the country has been extremely dry. We've seen... um, Wheat producers uh, drawing concern over, um, you know, the crop as it heads into dormancy. And uh, cattle producers uh, typically putting, uh, you know, cattle on wheat pasture. Um, that's become a, a, you know, difficulty for them as well. Um, down in uh, the Texas panhandle, we've seen a lot of uh, grass fires that have flared up over the last week or so. And uh just hoping to see at least some type of snow coverage or or some kind of rain moisture um, to help out with these effects. From so many different ways, obviously from the fire side, but also the dormancy concerns once we get some colder temperatures come the end of this month into January. Right. Um, You know, colder temperatures and dry conditions, that's going to set us up for winter kill and um, you know, unfortunately, the effects of the winter kill, those are not seen until, you know, we head on down the road more uh, into that, um, you know, time frame going into the spring. So um, a lot of concern, yes, at this point, and just uh, hoping that we get some moisture soon. Just in the South American weather forecast, my understanding is they might see a little bit of rain headed their way. Yep, and uh, that would be a good thing. Uh, as that happens, we may see, um, you know, some of this weather effect, um, you know, uh, getting into our markets with the corn and soybeans. Donna Hughes joining us. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. <laughs> 